Welcome to the Better Questions podcast. I am so thrilled you're joining us today. We have a special guest who's going to be joining me, my best friend since kindergarten, the one, the only Zach Yarbrough. Zach, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What an honor. Yeah. Um, I've known Zach, again, like I said, since kindergarten, we were best friends in our childhood. We lived like four houses down. And so known each other a long time, ended up both going into ministry. Zach, your pastor, tell us a little bit about what you do and, and kind of where you're at right now. Yeah. I, I still remember meeting in kindergarten. Yes. You had like the, the car toys and I had the play mat Oh yeah, and it, it was a match day one kindergarten. Yeah. We go way back and um, somehow we both ended up in ministry. So I'm out here in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I've been uh, doing various roles at a church in ministry. Now I uh, went to Denver seminary and right now I'm just uh, one of the pastors, a part of a, a leadership team here at a church in Fort Collins next to CSU and love getting to do this work. Yeah. So, you know, the heart behind the podcast is that we're people sending questions and we're seeking to answer these questions, but also sort of get to the heart of the question. And, and, you know, when Jesus is asked questions in the New Testament, so often he responds with another question. Yeah, And that's kind of the idea here. And, and we've gotten a bunch of questions on the topic of pain and suffering, which if you're have spent any time in apologetics, if you've been in the Christian faith, likely you've wrestled with a lot of these questions. Why would a loving God allow suffering? Uh, these are the, the fancy terminology is theodicy. Okay. These questions about pain and suffering. Uh, in the world. So that said, Zach, I've got some questions to throw your way. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of all on this topic. And we'll 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 sort of have a conversation here on some of these. Um, the first question I have for you on Better Questions podcast is this. And this was sent in by an anonymous, did, did not want their name to be said. So anonymously, can a born-again believer with the Holy Spirit living and active inside them go through seemingly unjust suffering? Mm. Yeah. Well, I love that you're addressing this topic. I think it's such a relevant question because uh, many people who are listening probably even currently are experiencing some level of suffering. And so it's relevant mm -hmm. in your life, life right now. Uh, but the other reason is we know this life, we've seen it enough. You probably have friends that are suffering and we know that it's pretty inevitable that at some point we will suffer. Yeah. And so I love that you're addressing this question now so that we can sort of beef up our, our faith and uh, have a firmer foundation as we address it. So great question about a born again believer to suffering unjustly. Um, I wonder if there's some other questions underneath that question. And like yeah, you said, with the theme that's of what this, I was thinking. this podcast, and I think there's, there's a couple of um, assumptions about the nature of suffering in the world and the way that people yeah. respond to that. So I think one, from kind of a secular perspective, I think there's this view of suffering that the world's just a rough place and it's pretty mm -hmm. random and it happens by chance. And if you're lucky, you'll make it through this life without getting cancer, um, but yeah. just bad stuff happens. But then on the other extreme, I think sometimes in our Christian circles, there's this hyper spiritual view of suffering and I wonder if the assumption under that is, if I'm a good Christian, then I won't suffer. Yeah. And if I happen to suffer, I can sort of 
pray my way out of that suffering if I pray with enough strength or faith. Right. And I wonder if that's the assumption underneath and behind this question that, um, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that one of the problems with that is that Jesus himself promised that we would suffer Yep, and not just in like a really general way, but I think as he even promises as a direct result of following Christ, you will suffer. I think of uh, places like John 15, where Jesus said, look, if they persecuted me, how much more will they persecute you? And that's directly because you're a believer. And so there's my first response, maybe to can somebody with the Holy Spirit yeah. uh, suffer? Certainly he promises it. And then we've got lots of examples uh, throughout the Bible of really faithful men and women who have followed God and suffered immensely. Think of all the martyred disciples um, yep. and, and really Christ himself who, who suffered those yeah. sinless. Yeah. But I understand the tension of the question because I think it goes back to the assumption that if we do good and if we live a godly life, then we should experience blessing and, and not suffering. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think too, part of what's interesting is the time in which we live in. I mean, you think of like the like the last 2000 years and beyond that, like there were times in human history where suffering was much more of a daily reality. Yes. And we live in a, a, a time of comfort, a time of having our needs for the most part met, especially if you're living in the United States and you're, you know, even lower to middle class, most of your needs are, are met. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's not to, to like belittle people suffering because people, there are genuinely people suffering and, and, being wealthy does not eliminate suffering. Uh, we, we're, we're actually in the midst of a mental health crisis, yeah. which is like another form of, of suffering. Um, and I, when I think of like, I was even reflecting on this this morning, I was like, what are times in my life when I've suffered? And I would say a majority of them have been suffering from like depression or seasons where like I was, I was dealing with a different kind of pain. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah, but I, I think like living in the time we're living, like every worldview, whether it's Hindu, right? They have a they have an answer for suffering, right? Karma. Yes. Yeah. You, what you deserve, you get, and what you get comes back around. Hardship is like a byproduct of your bad decisions. Yes. The Buddhist worldview is that all pain and suffering are a byproduct of desire, and like if you can eliminate desire, then you can eliminate suffering, right? It's an, another answer to suffering. Yes. And then you got like the Star Wars dualism view. It's like good versus evil, dark versus light. Um, but what's interesting is like the, the, where we live, right? There is like a, a secular, the Western secular worldview. And Tim Keller talks a lot about this, but it's basically um, that everything is an accident. Everything around you is a byproduct of chance. So there's no meaning or no purpose behind life or suffering. Yeah. It just is. And so like, as a Christian, because I, I read the question and it says, someone who is born again, Holy and has the Holy Spirit living in them, um, when they go through suffering, like what is different? What does Christianity have to offer that's different than the secular worldview? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a great way of framing the conversation because of what I think the answer to that is that there's this reality of a purpose 
for the pain mm -hmm. beyond what we're experiencing. That's not simply random, but that there's a hope that lies beyond. Yeah. I think that shapes our response. So we don't become so cynical that the world is just total accidents. Um, right. Yeah. I think to another point that you mentioned there is that most of those worldviews put us in the driver's seat of yeah. suffering, um, either causing it or preventing it. And right. um, it really has a high view of man then in relationship to the broken world that we live in, rather than a high view of any kind of other uh, deity who's yeah. sovereign and, and all powerful. In that. Yeah. It's framed really well. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right. I think the, the difference between the Christian worldview and, and like the secular worldview is there is a hope of heaven and not only of an afterlife, but like of a, a time when all things will be renewed and, and redeemed and there'll be a new heaven and new earth. And every, it says every tear will be wiped away and um, essentially pain and suffering will cease. Yeah. And so there is a hope. And so like you think about like, like uh, the, the martyrs, right? Yeah. Think about Polycarp, who was you know burned at the stake, who basically in his in his final dying words was like, "Come what may." Yeah. Like, in order to be able to do that, you have to have a belief in something bigger than yourself, and also a hope of something beyond this world. Yeah. And so, and I don't think that means that like, you know, we should we should be excited about suffering. Um, it's not a, a good thing. I mean, it's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. Um, but I do think it does give us a hope beyond the material. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, I, what I don't like is the cliche of like, well, everything happens for a reason because that doesn't help people, you know, in the midst of their suffering, like give an example, if someone is uh, sexually abused or like someone is, is, is harmed in some way to say, well, there is a reason for that. Like that doesn't help them process. And, and in many ways it can cause that person to like, to, to put the blame in the wrong place. Like, yeah. Oh, God did this to me. And I don't think that's an appropriate view either. Um, but at the same time, um, there is, there is purpose. Um, there is in the midst of our, our pain and our struggle, God is doing something is able to do something with the broken situation and create beauty from ashes. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the purpose I'm pointing to, especially when you look at promises like Romans, Romans eight, where mm -hmm. we're promised that this amazingly wonderful, good and sovereign God is able to take all these messy and broken situations and use them for ultimate good and for our good. And that that's a foundation that we can lean on in those moments, even when we don't understand um, all the nitty gritty details of the why question. Yeah. It's interesting too, that, you know, you look at an example like Job, who was so righteous and faithful, yet suffered immensely, and never really gets the nitty gritty answer to the why question. Yeah, yeah in that narrative, he's, he's never brought behind the curtain to see the underpinnings of the why, uh, in this amazing dialogue that's happening through that book. But he, he does have this call to trust mm -hmm. God, even without all the answers being filled in. Yeah. That, okay. Dude, this reminds me of the story. Are you familiar with, uh, he's a Christian writer, but he writes for the, um, sports, 
website, The Ringer. Um, his name, Jonathan Shark. Are you familiar okay. with the story? Uh, I don't know the story. No. Well, he so he had, he has cancer and he just recently passed away, which has been super sad. Yeah. Um, but he wrote for the secular sports um, website and he wrote an article in, back in March. And I think at this point he knew the writing was on the wall. Like he is married, has a kid and like he knows like he's probably going to die. Yeah. And he wrote this brilliant article. I'll send it to you. It's, it's really good. I'll put it in the, in the show notes too. Um, but it's called, the name of the article is, does my son know you? And he closes his article and it like made me tear up first time I read it, but he asked the question, he says, I wish I could say that getting diagnosed with cancer has brought me closer to God, that my faith is stronger than ever before. And that it has comforted me through these tough times. I've read plenty of stories like that, but that's not really how it has worked for me. He says, I want to believe in a miracle. There have been people with stage four sarcomas whose tumors never came back. No one knows why. Some things like this are beyond the knowledge of medical science. I asked my doctor if I could be one of those people. And he replied, I am not one who decides these things. Hmm. And he says, I believe in the God who does, but I also know that he has chosen not to heal me, at least not yet. And that hurts. And that line like really like dug deep because it's like, oh, here's someone who's faced not just with like death and the pain of cancer, but like the, the mental weight of knowing that you're not going to be there for your spouse or your kid. Yeah. And then he, he actually quotes James and um, James four, where it says, now listen to who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, which sounds like the writer of Ecclesiastes. I mean, just you're a vapor in the wind. Like, yeah. So he asked, he asked the question, where does that leave us? The little mists, which mm -hmm. is a really profound question. It's like, he, he, you know, as he's processing this, you know, there's nothing in front of him except for the pain and, and, and loss of death. And so he calls, he calls at the end of this, this is a secular website. He says, um, he, he points to three passages where it says you should take care of the widow and the fatherless child, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the widow, all this. Yeah. And he says, this is my last call to all of you reading. For those of you who knew me, um, if I see you in heaven, there's only one question I'm going to ask. Were you good to my son and my wife? Were you there for them? And does my son know you? Which is like, dude, that got me all like choked up. Yeah. Because it's like. Yeah, you're faced with immense suffering, both from mental, physical, all the way to your your dying breath, and you're clinging on to the hope of the gospel, which the gospel is about taking the cause of the widow and the fatherless. Like that's God's heart. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, that just came to mind as as a uh, you asked the question of Job, like he doesn't get a why, and sometimes we don't. Yeah. And so that the Christian worldview is not to say that like there's an, there's a specific, here's why you suffered. Um, but there is a certain expectation that yes, in this life, you will have trouble. There will be suffering. There will be pain, but God promises to be with us even in the midst of it. Yeah. And almost, I think beckons to us in those moments to say, can you trust me? Mm. Can you trust me? And, yeah. you know, in that story or in the story of Job, I think that's what God's, calling us to, I, I think our trust of him is uh, dependent upon us getting a satisfying answer to the why. Mm -hmm. And we think that that will somehow 
you know, garner more trust yeah. in him. Um, but we need to, to look to his character and um, answer that question for ourselves. Do I trust him? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, in my experience as a, as a pastor, like I find there's a quote by C.S. Lewis and I'll butcher the quote, but it's something along the, the lines of that um, God speaks to us loudest in our pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this one memory Early on in my ministry, I was um, doing hospital visits, which I had no experience doing. Yeah. And I remember I went up to this hospital, the top floor, visiting this man who couldn't speak. And he clearly was in a lot of pain, couldn't talk. And I just sort of sat there with him. And um, he was, wa- I remember we were watching The Price is Right on this little tiny hospital TV. And I didn't really know what to do because he couldn't talk. So I just started, I just said, hey, can I pray for you? And, and he just sort of made a sound and I grabbed his hand prayed for him and I prayed for the presence and the peace of Christ to be with him. I remember the prayer. And I just, as I said that he like squeezed my hand really hard. It was Mm. like this acknowledgement of the presence of Christ there in that moment. And I just sat there with him afterwards. And I said, do you want me to ask him? Do you want me to leave? And he just, I didn't like nothing. He didn't say anything. And I said, do you want me to stay? And he squeezed my hand. Wow. Like this acknowledgement of like my presence there and, and I think back to that moment a lot because I sat there and we just watched the prices right for like an hour and yeah. I told him about my life a little bit. I knew he could hear me, but I didn't, he couldn't really say anything. And I feel like of all the times when I've sensed the presence of Christ, I felt like I felt like he was in the room, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And there's something about those moments. And I crazy enough, I got an email the next day that that man passed. Wow. So like that was it. That was his that was a gift to me and that I was able to be with this man in his last, you know, hours. He had no family nearby. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's so often how it can happen that when people wonder in those moments of suffering, like where's God, I don't sense him with me that, that God can use people to yeah. encourage and, and give people that sense of the presence of God being present there with him even with a simple squeeze of a hand. That's a cool story. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, dude, we're, we're just, we're just gliding through this. Uh, We have other questions. I'm going to hit a few other ones at you. I feel like we could have just kept going for another hour. Uh, If I'm experiencing a trial, how do I practically go about walking through it? Yeah. That's such a good question. I think it's a helpful question for us to determine ahead of time. And if, you know, if we're listening, I mean, we're sitting here right now, you're healthy, I'm healthy. We're not mm-hmm. at this very moment going through the heat of a crisis. And I think it's so helpful to think through this now because um, when our lives start unraveling, it's really difficult to grip onto just some simple practices we can do to walk through that. Um, hmm. I know for myself, when I experience suffering and even even mild suffering of daily disappointments or major suffering, I tend to have a desire to escape it somehow. And I think we can relate Mm -hmm. to that, that we have, you know, coping behaviors that we want to escape through numbing that pain somehow or distracting ourselves and avoiding it. And often that, that doesn't, that escaping behavior draws us further away from God. And so maybe practically one, first step might be as difficult as, as it is in that moment 
strive to lean and press into God and take small steps towards yeah. him rather than trying to numb or distract, lean into the, the pain with God. Yeah. Um, one really specific way, you know, if you're struggling to pray or something in that moment hmm. that lately has been really encouraging me is in prayer, praying some specific promises from scripture that God has given us and then almost calling on God on that promise to say, look, this is what you said, Lord, please answer your prayer. Isaiah 41 10 has been a favorite for me lately of, of saying, fear not for I'm with you. Be not dismayed for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then just asking God, look, this is what you said. This is your promise. Uh, please make it real to me that I wouldn't be afraid. Yeah. So me first leaning into God. And then to your point about that moment in a hospital room, being with someone and holding their hand as they're suffering, yeah. I'd say to lean into the community that God's put around you. Um, yeah. Sometimes we are strengthened to walk through suffering when we lean into people who can share that, that pain yeah. with us. Well, it, it goes back to Job too. There's that beautiful moment where Job's friends are sitting with him and there's this Jewish practice called sitting Shiva, mm -hmm. which is basically, you know, oftentimes our inclination is when someone's going through suffering, we want to give them encouragement. Like it's all yeah. going to be good. Your life's, you're going to be fine and this will pass. But oftentimes um, sitting Shiva, the whole idea was that you would sit and you'd be quiet, yeah. but you just, your physical presence being with the person who's mourning and weeping with that person is what that person needs more than anything. And that to me is kind of like that story I told sort of illustrates that it's like, I didn't know what to tell the yeah. guy, like you're dying. I mean, I honestly, I don't know what to, to say or the right words, but just me sitting and holding his hand, I think is what the Lord called me to in that moment. And um, yeah, leaning into community, I think it's really easy, especially with mental health. This is my experience is when you get depressed or you deal with any kind of mental struggle, it's so much, it's, it's embarrassing. Hmm. Like you don't want to tell people you it's easier to sort of sit in your sadness or numbness. Um, and so sometimes like the first step is admitting it. Like I remember I went through a tough season. I with, and you and a few of our other friends, we, we talk pretty often, um, hold each other accountable and whatnot. And I remember I didn't tell you guys I was struggling for like months after the fact. And a lot of that was like, just, I didn't want to deal with it. I was, I was rather more comfortable in my funk, yeah, you know, yeah. than wanting to go through the hard part of actually dealing with it. And I remember I was, this is, I was talking to, a, at the time I was seeing a counselor and the counselor told me, um, he says, first of all, you just, you need to understand that you're depressed, like call it what it is. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're in, don't be in denial. Yeah. And then under, this is what he said. And this is really profound for me. He said, I want you to know it's okay to feel sad. Yeah. Like let the emotion be the emotion, but just, but just call it what it is. Yes. Quit trying to, cause, cause what we do is we try to, we try to cope, right? Whether that's your struggle is through alcohol or through any kind of substance that, that makes you feel better, or whether that's through, you know, just throwing yourself into work and overworking and distracting yourself. Yeah. Um, and so instead of coping, there's this great illustration. AJ Svoboda writes about it in his book. Um, he talks about how Jesus is on the cross, right? This, I think it's one of the, it's really the one of the soldiers, or maybe even one of his 
uh, family members offers him the cloth with like wine and, and some sort of numbing agent. Yeah. I forget exactly what it is. And Jesus refuses to take yeah. it in the moment. Yeah. And he said to him, it's this picture of like, Jesus is embracing the suffering that he knew was before him and chose not to numb the pain, but to say, nope, this is what, you know, I've been called to in this moment to endure. Yeah. And the scriptures use like all kinds of language in the old Testament on refining, like there's Isaiah 48 says, I refined you though, not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. Yeah. Um, one of our favorite legends, Dr. Hank has a great quote that uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his quote. I don't yeah, want to mess, mess it up. up. Um, it's a uh, character is built on the crucible of white, hot suffering. Mm. Isn't that good? Yeah. Dr. Hank has that in his, uh, his little book of sermons. I always I come back to that, that like there is a, a, something is happening in the midst of suffering that I think for the believer, for those who have, the spirit, like there's a refinement that takes place and a growth that I don't think will happen if we try to numb it in unhealthy ways. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Totally. I, it makes me think of uh, a verse that I remember was hanging in the hallway late in my high school career. And, you, and you've walked with my family and you know that, yep. uh, that that was a difficult season for my family. My sister was in and out of the hospital and mm -hmm. uh, we're going through some real adversity, some real trials and hanging in the hallway was this verse, almost like a painting, but it's Romans 5, 3, calling us to rejoice, mm. rejoice in sufferings, which is so counterintuitive, right? knowing that our suffering will produce this kind of endurance and character and mm. uh, finding some uh, hope in that, that God yeah. is refining us in the crucible of that moment and using yeah. it for purposes later on. Yeah. So good. Um, okay. Two more questions. Um, why does God seem so far when I need him the most? Yeah. I, I hear so much pain in that question. And yeah. I want to pause and sympathize with whoever's writing this. And maybe they're going through that, you know, this, yeah. that moment right now where he feels really distant um, mm -hmm. and cold. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I know of people that have suffered that have shared that they have found it nearly impossible to even pray. Hmm. And these are, these are Christians who have walked with God for a long time. And yeah. um, sometimes our sense of just the injustice of that moment, um, something just feels so wrong that it feels almost impossible to pray. And one of the pieces of hope that, um, I've shared with people in the past in that moment is trusting that, you know, Romans eight, that even the spirit himself will intercede for you with groanings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, e even when you feel like you can't formulate the words and you're struggling to, to face him. So in some instances, I don't know if this is true of this person who's asked this question, but sometimes it's, it's a bit of ourselves that, we feel distant from God because we feel it, I just can't approach him. I can't face him. Yeah. Um, it's one of the encouragements that we'll try to bring into those moments. Um, yeah. When we just sense we can't, can't yeah. face him. It's really good. I, I'm, I remember the David Crowder uh, line. Actually, I think, I think delirious wrote the song before okay. David Crowder, but David Crowder has the versions better. I think it's that line that says, 
sometimes you're uh, closer than my skin and sometimes you're further than the moon. Yeah. And it's this, this idea that like, there are seasons where we are on fire and we can sense the presence of God. And I know one of the things that happens to me is when I fall into seasons of darkness or, or even when I'm you know prone to wander from being close in my walk with Christ, like I will then, and this is, I think the devil's at work here. I will then like look at those moments in my past where I know God was present, where I know God did something incredible. And I'll, I'll like start doubting that that was God. Like maybe it was just a, an experience mm. I had, or like, I was just pretending it, but like, in those moments, like when you sense the presence of God, like you, you know, like God, God's presence was there. And I think in the darkness, sometimes we can get blind to that. Yeah. Um, we forget. And so even just the practice of remembering in the midst of those, those dark seasons of when um, the faith of our youth, the moments when God was, was moving and acting and, and we sensed him, because I do think there are seasons too, where like God chooses to be silent and yeah. speaks to us in silence. Yeah. And that takes like perseverance, you know, to, to continually come to the, the, to our knees and press in and just say, God speak, speak. Yeah. And I think in time he does, but that time can feel like an eternity. Yeah. I, I think there, I love that you're pointing back to history of our mm -hmm. own experiences. I think that can strengthen us. Um, I think one other element to it I've learned about myself is that in my, you know, we're still young guys. We're learning a yeah. lot, but I'm beginning to learn to not trust my feelings. Yeah. And especially in really disorienting moments of life, when mm -hmm. life is unraveling, I, I want to resist the temptation to trust my feelings as the most yeah. solid ground and reach that's for good. something that's, that's more stable than how I'm feeling at that present moment, whether yeah. high or low. Um, it's about, you know, back to the other kind of pastoral moment to lean into some of those promises that God's given yeah. us is to, to trust that despite our feelings in that moment, whether we sense him there or not, let's go lean into a promise. That's really good. I, I, you and I are both logical. We're pretty logical driven people. Yeah. We're, we're not people who are driven by our feelings, but I, I know like, even still, like there are times where my emotions get the best of me. And I, I think you, this is also why we need community around us who can call us on that and say, Hey, you know, I remember during the pandemic, like there were times where I just like wanted to just put in my resignation and quit Yeah, and like go work at a Starbucks or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like you, you, even you and my, my other friends, you guys were like, dude, like, you know, hold on. Like we had, we're, we're in the midst of a very disorienting time. We're stuck at home with children and you yeah. know just the trying to figure things out and like that really yeah you, you need people in your life too who can help sort of reorient you in those disorienting times because yeah um yeah going at it alone i think oftentimes we can lose sight of that absolutely and and resisting the temptation to trust yourself and isolate but lean, yeah. lean and press into that community to ask, am I seeing this correctly? Um, yeah. Have some perspective. Yeah, that was a brutal season. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, all right, last question is a bit of a theological one. And so um, the question is, is my suffering the result of my sin? Yeah, that is uh, very theological and a great question to be asking. Mm -hmm. 
I do think there's a couple of questions behind that to get after um, yep. that that help answer that. Um, one question I'd encourage people to wrestle with is just having a firm foundation of just why suffering exists, period, um, yeah. which is not a simple, there's no, there's not really trite, simple answers. This, these are, you're asking big questions. Um, yeah. But zooming out from that question is my suffering a result of my sin and looking at even the whole gospel narrative that God's original design was a world where tornadoes didn't knock over homes and yeah. kill people. Um, seeing Genesis 3 and seeing the fall and the results of, of brokenness in our world can help point to some categories of things that cause suffering. And yeah. some of those categories are not ourselves. Um, we have this adversary who's prowling around like a lion. Yep. He's causing trouble. We have the brokenness of our world. And so there's mm -hmm. these natural disasters that are happening that um, are unrelated to yep. people's sin. But then there is this tension, I think, in scripture that there are some examples of moments where God does discipline. Yep. And you know, and there's certainly, I mean, we could think of some practical examples in our own life. You know, if you, if you cheat on your taxes and go to jail, um, there's mm -hmm. a pretty strong correlation between your sin and, and the direct result of what's happening. But I think the, the issue that this person's getting at is like, if I get diagnosed with cancer yeah. at a left field, um, is that because of something that I've done in my life? Right. Right. Um, yeah. It, it, and it asks a question. This is another question underneath the question of one I know we've both wrestled with, but does, does God cause suffering like directly? Yeah. You know, and, and that's a really interesting question. Um, like in the cancer scenario, like did God give him, give a person cancer? That was that like a direct, you know, like Zeus with a lightning bolt, like, you know, like what, what are your thoughts on that question itself? Yeah. Yeah. I, a while back I heard, um, I think you already mentioned Tim Keller on this podcast, mm -hmm. but he's a great person worthy of, of quoting, but he was unpacking this dialogue between God and Satan and talking about, um, Job and the story of Job. Yeah. And I loved that he illustrates that, that from the book of Job, he kind of debunks two common ways that we approach um, suffering. And you've mentioned this before, that there's this secular perspective that thinks everything's just sort of random yeah. and there's no God, there's no power, no control. And so everything's just random. And in the book of Job, we see, no, there's, this is not random. Um, yeah. th there really is um, a higher power. And yet, in the book of Job, God is not the direct agent causing that suffering. And, Interesting. And it, and it upholds both of these tensions that God, you see God in total control of the whole situation. It's not like you said, um, Star Wars with two yeah. equal powers of Satan and God and who's going to win out over the battle right. over Job. God's in total control in the whole story. And yet mm. he, he is allowing permissively um, Satan to act. But one of the best things that Tim Keller um, quotes is he says, 
I'll butcher it too, but he says he only gives Satan enough leash for Satan to do something that causes the exact opposite of what Satan intends. Interesting. Satan's desire was to show that Job really doesn't trust you, that God, you're really not worth treasuring. It's just the stuff that you're giving Job that he trusts. Take away those things and Job will deny you. And God's permissive will then allows just enough that it, right. it totally undermines everything Satan attempts, but doesn't let Satan go an inch beyond yeah. um, what he's doing there. I just loved that picture. Of, oh, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. God's power um, and suffering. And, you know, and he, he alludes and says that often that may be ways that um, if there are moments like that, that may be how God is, how God is working in our lives as well. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, a really, really good thought on that. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, yeah, because I've spent some time with Job, and that dialogue is a fascinating one, and it sort of speaks to this question quite a bit. Um, you know, and as pres- as a Presbyterian over here, uh, talking to a Baptist, um, yep. we're uh, we're you know we come from a little bit different faith traditions, and and we uh, Calvinists tend to have like a very high view of God's sovereignty, and even. I'm uncomfortable with some of John Calvin's language and in, in his institutes on, yeah. on how direct of a role God, God plays in, in suffering, you know, was the famous R.C. Sproul quote. That's like, even if one DNA, one tiny molecule is out of, out of place, then everything would be chaos and that God controls everything. And like that, that language a little bit does make me a little uncomfortable because I, I don't know that that's exactly how we see God portrayed in the scriptures, but then there are like moments, like weird moments, like, Ananias and Sapphira, which is just a bizarre story in the New Testament, where they like steal yeah. and then God just kills them. <laughs> it's like, it's like that. Yeah, just yeah. bam. So like, I, it's yeah, over. So like, it, it is, it is a, a complex question and and a, and a one that I I feel like I just continue to wrestle with. I don't know that I have a perfect answer. I do know there's there's one moment I'd point to with Jesus and John, um, where the man born blind from birth, the disciples ask him. Rabbi, who sinned, this yeah. man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's like here's the question asked directly: like his blindness was it a result of something he he did, like a sin, or was it his parents' sin? Yeah, and I love that they uh, they assume that too, right? You know, there's the false dichotomy: was yes. it was it his sin or his parents' sin? You know, exactly. the assumption is sin caused this. Yeah, and then Jesus, of course, always is able to to turn it on them. He says it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so, yeah, I mean, it just sort of reframes the whole situation, the whole, the whole brokenness of the situation in a way where God gets the glory. And again, again, and again, in, in our suffering, which is hard to see in the moment, but in the end, that's why we can rejoice um, ultimately. Yeah. And that's one of the counter ethics of the New Testament. And then in our weakness, we actually find our greatest strength. Um, yeah. And like Paul talks about, sometimes God doesn't remove the thorn. Like he pleaded three times, God, remove this thorn from my side. And Paul's reason for it. And I, again, I think he's kind of guessing here. Like, I don't know that he knows this is it, but he says, like, I think you've left this thorn in my side. Um to keep me from boasting, you know, like he's basically like, I would, I would be like, people would probably worship me or love me more too much. Um, if, if I was at my full capacity, but you've kept me humbled 
through this. I don't know. Yeah. And, and Paul even seeing that as an act of love and sweetness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rather than God's kindness to him. Yeah. 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 That's good, dude. That's so much, so much good in this conversation. Um, any, any other final thoughts as we sort of wrap this up, I feel like we tackled the questions and, um, I feel like uh, we had some really, really good conversation here. Is there anything else? Any final thoughts that come to mind? No, maybe one closing picture I heard recently that I, th- I think, you know, for anybody listening who maybe right now is walking through that suffering and, um, you know, we've been talking sort of theologically and getting through some of the questions of why, but I loved this uh, metaphor and image that John Newton actually gave centuries ago. And, uh, he describes this carriage ride. And so this is before cars. Uh, you don't have public transportation. And he says, imagine this. Imagine that you're taking a long journey in a carriage ride to receive a massive inheritance. You know, just a mansion beyond what you can imagine and millions of dollars. And you've made this long journey and just just a half mile from reaching this inheritance, the carriage breaks down completely and you're disappointed. You're suffering in that moment and frustrated. And Newton, Newton says, how could I, I'm paraphrasing, but how could the man be so upset and angry as he's sitting there on the side and, and has to now walk and it's going to be difficult to get there when he has this unimaginable hope set before him, though the last half mile will be so painful. Um, and I, I think in some ways that's a metaphor of our Christian life is that there real, there's really difficult and painful suffering in this life. And I don't yeah. want to minimize that. It's as simple as a carriage breaking down. Um, but in comparison to the glory of heaven and the hope that we yeah. have in Christ, um, there really is a sweetness yeah. coming. Uh, that we can set our hope on dude that was great way to end this podcast that was awesome um yeah i think that's that's amazing Uh, dude thanks again for coming on um this has been awesome and i feel like we need to do it again for sure and i'm sure like more like this is not the last question we get on pain and suffering so i'm sure um we'll get more questions on this because it is one of the the most um complex things that we think through as christians and um, but yeah, again, thank you so much for coming on, Zach. What else you got? You got anything else fun going on today? Or is you got a bunch of meetings? What do you got going on? Yeah, we got staff meetings nice. coming up, but, uh, Hey, just want to say thank you. It's yeah. an honor to be on here. And you I love this podcast. I listen to every episode. I think it's a fantastic angle of looking at some of the better questions that, yeah. that Jesus asked. So great job. Thanks, dude. Appreciate you. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Um, again, Check out Zach Yarbrough, one of my best friends, Life Point Church, Fort Collins. If you're ever in the area, check out his church. It's a great church. Come on by. And uh, uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, our podcast, uh, just so people are aware, our schedule is Mondays and Thursdays. So um, if you're listening to this, it is a Monday, uh, but we will have another episode dropping on Thursday. Again, if you have any questions, you can submit those to betterquestions at eastminster.org or just go to our website, eastminster.org slash betterquestions. You can listen to the podcast there or you can submit questions or find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That said, 
Thanks again for joining us. Grace and peace. <laughs>